Welcome to our podcast, Hey David, where Grandpa Rod talks about life and attitudes, hope and success. Each week, he raises a new topic for David to consider. We hope it speaks to you too. We also hope you'll invite your friends to listen and that you'll share your comments with us. Here is Rod with today's topic. Hi, I'm Rod MacArthur, David's grandpa and narrator of the Hey David podcast. Thanks for listening. I want David to have the best grandfatherly counsel I can give. It could be that you'll gain some light pointers too. Welcome. Today, I'm going to talk with David about the disaster of shutting out dialogue. No matter who we want to blame, the one who refuses to talk about it is responsible for divisiveness. Dialogue is always a two-way street. Hey, David, it's Grandpa. Would you rather live in a free society or in a dictatorship? Is freedom of speech connected to that choice? What must I put up with to have an open dialogue with people whose opinions are wrong? Is it worth it? There is much more writing on being tolerant of views with which I disagree than appears to the casual observer. Let's explore them. What do you think, David? Do you advocate free speech? If you do, why? If you don't, why not? Do you see what I did there? I called you out. You need to have a reason for your answer. But I'm not interested in your answer as much as I am interested in your reason. Does that sound reasonable? I'm going to talk with you this time about the discipline of gritty dialogue. It's becoming increasingly difficult, it seems, to engage with people in much more than superficial gab or partisan regurgitation. We've got to change that. Did you know, and this gets technical here, that the word dialogue has Greek origins? Frequently, where the word is used in the New Testament Greek text, for example, it's translated reason. For example, when Paul reasoned with people in the synagogue, the word means to carry on a conversation with other people. Sometimes it means to carry on a conversation with yourself in your own mind. Either way, it means to examine the reasons behind your conclusions or convictions. It means to share the reasons behind your conclusions or convictions. Look at its roots. Dia equals through or by means of. Check out the word diameter, the measure or distance through. The word log in dialogue is from the Greek word for thought or word. We get our word logic from it. We also derive our suffix ology from it, which implies the full substance of the field. Archaeology is an example. Well, that's a lot of technical stuff, huh? Basically, what I'm saying 
is that the word dialogue is composed of those two words which combine together to mean to reason a thing through, either by discussion with another or privately in your own thoughts. It seems to be an increasingly fading art. What do I mean by that? I hear on the radio and on the TV or read in the newspaper of politicians and other pundits, talking heads, who want to restrict free speech. But isn't free speech the bedrock of liberty? It is the foundation principle from which all other political rights derive. Tucker Carlson, in his dispute with Fox News, recently said, quote, Free speech is the main right that you have. Without it, you have no other rights. End quote. He's spot on. Our right to free speech is essential to being a free society. Knowing that I can freely express my concerns and opinions, even my objections to and resistance to public policy, as long as I do not libel, slander, or promote dissension or panic in the process, I can't yell fire in a crowded area unless there really is one. Knowing that I can speak freely puts me on an even playing field. Suppressing, dissing, or shaming this freedom marks the onset of tyranny and dictatorship. He who seeks to control my speech seeks to control my society. Since freedom is such a hallmark of American life, why do people want to restrict freedom of speech? A couple of things come to mind on that point. They are summed up in two words, shallowness and selfishness. Our culture is becoming increasingly impatient with people who have divergent opinions from our own. About three years ago, during our church service, a young couple, about your age, got up and bolted out without comment or explanation. I followed them out to their car, trying to hear from them what was so upsetting. They were not willing to talk, even though I had been the young lady's friend since before she was a teenager. I found out later that someone said something during services with which they strongly disagreed. Obviously, the BLM movement and the street riots, vandalism, and even the murders that took place in the wake of it are highly sensitized and emotional issues. They're issues over which people can abandon each other if they're impatient or they can have mature dialogue. One brother mentioned that the lack of gratitude expressed in these riots was distressing to him. That's when the young couple left. The situation in the streets, not only in Seattle, but in major cities all across the nation, caused emotions to run high. A time of heightened emotions is not the time to stifle dialogue. In fact, just the opposite is true. At times like that, dialogue is the only way to come to a meeting of the minds and calm the situation. Without dialogue, it turns into a shouting match. Do it my way. No, do it my way. Or someone simply stonewalls the other. Nothing gets resolved. Understand what I'm saying. It's all right to disagree. In fact, it's at the point of disagreement that great dialogue can be generated. Imagine this. Two people with divergent views and opinions 
sitting down rationally, calmly, pleasantly, and with deep respect, engaging in dialogue about their disagreement. That's healthy. That will lead to greater respect and appreciation for each other. You may not resolve the difference of opinion, but you'll hold the other person in high regard when you discuss calmly and rationally. Respect and appreciation for the other person's integrity is what keeps a culture unified even when they disagree. Being coerced or compelled into accepting someone else's set conclusions only promotes contempt and ultimately rebellion. As we have suggested, divergent opinions have existed from the get-go. They will continue to exist as long as there is life on earth. Requiring or allowing only one set of conclusions will necessarily eliminate or alienate those who hold the other set of conclusions. There has to be a better way. I'm saying that dialogue is that better way. I don't have to agree with everybody, but I have to know that everybody is agreeable. Those young adults had two choices that Sunday. They could have entered into a conversation about why that brother said what he said, why he thought that was truth, and why it bothered them. Then they would have had a reasoned discussion, or they could have done what they did, just get up and leave. That's kind of like the in-person version of ghosting, isn't it? One of the two choices could lead to respect and understanding. The other just intensifies the differences and leads to alienation. That young couple cut themselves off completely. It's so sad and so unnecessary. Taking the easy way, where you choose not to discuss feelings and choices, leaves division and heartache in its wake. Holding to divergent opinions, even opposite points of view, cannot be the cause of this obvious divisiveness. Differing views have existed from the beginning of time. Given the fact that people have always held opinions that vary from each other, sometimes radically, why is it that now there is this vocal push to limit speech? David? I'm exploring this as though I thought you were guilty of wanting to restrict other people's speech. Not at all. I know you to be openly engaging and willing to consider what another person has to say, even if they sit on the other side of the aisle, as it were. Still, you will encounter people as shallow and intolerant as these. You'll need to keep your heart open to rough treatment. In a future podcast, I will explore with you the value of critical thinking. Earlier, I used the word shallowness as a root cause behind the desire to restrict dialogue. To me, shallowness indicates taking a position without giving it sufficient depth of thought. It indicates being opinionated rather than being informed. It also suggests that one holds his opinion to be above scrutiny and dismisses anyone who disagrees with him. Let me shuck it down to the cob. If I don't know why I believe what I believe, I'll have a hard time defending it or even discussing it with someone else. Why not just walk away and not talk about it? It's easier that way, 
especially if I can keep them from talking about it too. If they don't talk about it with me, I don't have to respond. I wonder how many times I've heard someone voice an opinion on the radio or on the TV or in the newspaper and felt my resistance start to rise. That's probably more common than we surmise. But when I do a deep dive into why I feel like that, I discover that it's because I feel inadequate to respond. Maybe the person is saying something that goes against the grain, but I don't know how to set them straight. So I just stonewall. So what am I going to do? I don't like what they're saying. That's obvious. I feel inadequate to answer them, but I don't want them saying it because it's wrong. So what do I do? Oh, I'll call it hate speech. Then they can't do it anymore. Maybe I'll shame them into irrelevance. I'll make them out to be vile people because they hold that position that nobody should listen to. That got me thinking. Is there really any value in open dialogue? Earlier, we called it the bedrock of all other political freedoms. We look at it, free speech, open dialogue, as foundational to a free society. Is it? If our answer to thoughts and conclusions that we don't like is to shut the other person up, doesn't that lead toward a dictatorial society rather than a free one? If I want to avoid a dictatorship or the oppressive thumb of Big Brother telling me what I can or cannot say, then I must dig deep. I must be able to defend my conclusions. I will need to know what I believe, why I believe it, and why I think it's important for you to listen to it, too. That's a lot of personal responsibility in allowing free speech. And there's a lot of victim mentality in trying to stifle it. The personal responsibility, David, is worth it. More than that, I must be willing to listen carefully to the other guy. I mean, the kind of listening that leads to understanding. The essence of useful dialogue rests on the genuine effort to hear with understanding. Is it becoming a lost art? Not if I can help it. I love you, David. Thanks for listening. If you've got something worth holding on to from this blurb, come back next Monday. Next week, I want to talk with David about bullying and its corrosive malignance. It damages everyone involved, even and especially the bully. See you next week. Thank you for listening to Hey David. If you have thoughts, comments, or questions, please send them to rod underscore MacArthur at Comcast.net. Rod will get back to you. Also, check out the church's website, www.churchofauburnwa.com. You'll discover a ton of information. You may especially enjoy the page Blurbs from Rod. Until, Until next, next Monday, Monday, have a joy-filled, joy-filled week. week.